Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 30. Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 30. The king rose, and with him the governor and princess, excuse me, the governor and princess, the governor and Bernice, (laughs) and those sitting with them. I saw princess. I don't know what y'all saw. (laughs) I saw princess. (laughs) They left the room, and while talking with one another, they said, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Chapter 27, verses 1 through 13. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramidium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we, had sailed, when we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Nidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassie. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was It was after the fast. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was not Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on. Please repeat the majority with me. The majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach, you can stop there, thank you, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, 
They thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But let me just read this as well. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. And I'll pause there. Bow your head. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the privilege to be able to preach, to be able to share. God, we pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon me as I bring forth the word of God. Thank you for ears to hear. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Under God's direct protection, part four. I have three points that I'm going to try to get to today. If you are writing them down, I'll just go ahead and give them to you now. Kim, we are praying for your baby. I know that you are working hard. You are working three jobs and going to school full time. That's commendable. Three jobs, going to school full time, and <laughs> raising children, and sitting in church Sunday morning. May the Lord bless you. <laughs> Amen. I, I like hearing stories when the person say, I need my Sundays off to the boss. <laughs> I know a couple of people have said that. <laughs> I tell you this, that when I told you before, when I was working over at Hands with Marvin Williams, Marvin had the morning shift, I had the afternoon shift. I told the, the manager, Les, at the time, they had two managers, Les and Dave. I got hired at the job. George was a cook there at the time. I told him I was a dishwasher. I was, I was, a, I loved, I was, I was a dishwasher. I told the manager and I was coming to get the job. I said, I can't work Sunday morning. <laughs> can't work. I got to go to church. I told him I'd come in in the afternoon, but I can't work Sunday morning. Do you not know? They hired me knowing I couldn't work on Sunday morning. One morning, as I was getting ready for church, I got a call. And this says, Marcus, would you please, the manager, would you please come in? The dishwasher called in sick and can't make it today. I said, this will be the only Sunday. <laughs> I'm talking to the manager, y'all. The only Sunday that I will work at Houlihan. And for the two years or whatever long, however long I worked there, I never worked on a Sunday morning. Amen. Well, put it this way, I never started on a Sunday morning. I ended on a Sunday morning because I work Saturday night, but I never started on a Sunday morning when church is going on. Amen. So I thank the Lord for that, and I think that he has blessed me that now I can have, well, I don't have Sundays off now. I'm here Sunday, so. <laughs> Three points, let me give them to you. Going to Rome, point number two, traveling into danger in the sheltered zone. Traveling into danger in the sheltered zones. And number three, God's prisoner speaks, but popular opinion prevails. God's servant, excuse me, God's prisoner speaks, but popular opinion prevails. One of the difficulties in life is trying to determine 
the right time to do something. I want you to listen to that. Trying to determine the right time to do something. We are oftentimes faced with decisions, and when's the best time to act? We can sometimes do the right thing at the wrong time. The decision to send Paul to Rome to have his case heard by Nero or his administration was decided when Paul made his appeal and after King Agrippa II conferred with Governor Felix and others after Paul gave his defense. So once Paul gave his defense, that's when they decided to actually put the action into place. But you need to understand, it was already decided before that Paul was going to Rome. The Lord already told Paul, you are going to Rome. So even though God used them to send him, God had already decreed what was going to take place. Something that you need to know. God allowed the Romans to pay Paul's fare to get to Rome. Now listen, listen carefully. It was expensive to get there. Paul, Paul had the money to go. Rome provided the trip, the transportation, and paid his way. You know, God will allow your enemy to sometimes pay your way when he is going to do a work in your life. Sometimes people are so eager to jump ahead of God when God has already worked out the details of what he's going to do. We sometimes just need to just wait on God. The decision to send Paul to Rome, as I said, was not their decision. It was God's decision. And once they had exited the auditorium where Paul was given his defense, you note that it says they conferred with one another. They came together and said, uh, this man is not doing anything deserving of death. And if he had not appealed to Caesar or to the emperor, he could have been released. Now, here Paul in prison two years. And listen, if he had not appealed to the emperor, he could have been, yeah. He had never been found guilty. He should have been let out a long time ago. So they think that they're, they are making a, a decision on behalf of Paul, but the Lord had already instructed that he's going. And they're just now providing the opportunity. But going to Rome at this time was not the best time to go. I am convinced that while on this tedious journey, that many people lose their way and they are blown off course. I am convinced that many people that start off with the Lord are blown off course with the circumstances and trials of life. They start strong. They start well. They start enthused. They start off determined. They start off saying, I have found the Lord and I ain't going to turn back. But before long, the winds begin to blow. It begins to 
work against them. They began to run into difficulties. And before you know it, the promise and the direction and the course that they were on, they were blown off by the winds of life. And it is the enemy's attempt to keep people off of the path of life that God has called us to be and walking on the path where Satan is. So you see, Satan wants to do this. He wants you to know that the path that God has called you to walk on is not, the good, is not a good path for you. He, he wants you to believe that the path that God has for you, it is wrought with dangers and it's wrought with things that are just too difficult and you need to take life and make it, and, and make it easy and just drink and just go about your own way. That's what he told Eve in the garden. Eve, go on and eat that fruit. God is trying to hide something from you. If he didn't want you to have that fruit, he wouldn't have put it there. But the Lord said not to eat. He, that, God don't want you to be like him. Let me tell you something. Come over here, Eve, and have a, have, a, have a word with you. Adam, you just stay right there. I'm going to talk to your wife for a minute. Adam was right there with Eve. Some people think that Adam was way off somewhere yonder. Adam was right there. But you see, it is when we allow the enemy to whisper into our ears. When the winds of life began to blow, that is something that is going to happen just because you are alive. You're going to have difficulties. God has caused you to have difficulties. The way that a tree grows and becomes strong is through the storms of life. The way you grow is through storms. What you're really made of, it comes out through the storms. I said on the radio not long ago, your character is determined by what you go through. When you go through something, you go through, and you get ugly, that's your character that's coming through. They just got me upset. No, your character came through. That's what came through. Oop, that slipped out. No, it didn't. It was already there. So we say, that was a mistake. I didn't mean to say it. Well, your brain says, say these words, get ready, and your mouth says, okay, I will speak brain, what you are giving me to say. And then you say, and then you go, oops. The oops had already come before, and you said, I don't want to say oops right now and not say it. I want to say it now. We have to be careful because what's in is going to come out. When we are blown through life and the storms of life, it becomes a testing time and it becomes a time for us to really look at and see, God, did you really call me to go this way? If Paul had not been assured of what God had said, he would have been questioning God. This is a very difficult thing that I'm seeing here. Are you sure you've called me to go? He called him to go, but it may not have been the right time. But that's beyond Paul's choosing now because they are sending him. But before I get ahead of myself, 
It is said that Luke, even though he was a physician, he was a layperson when it came to traveling and navigation. But he gives one of the most compelling accounts of the accuracy of Scripture as he details the travels and places along the way as they traveled to Rome. And later as he describes how the sailors took action to protect the ship and all the things that they've done. It has been said that Luke's account in chapter 27 is one of the most remarkable accounts in describing what happened during that storm. And here it is, a person that was not even a sailor giving an incredible account that describes the accuracy of the Word of God. As they began their trip to Italy, Luke makes mention of a person by the name of Aristarchus being with them. Aristarchus was a Macedonian. Now, do some of you remember when Paul was on uh, his journey in, in Asia that he was trying to go to certain places, and the Spirit of the Lord prevented him from being able to go into certain locales, and the Lord uh, he says, the Lord is blocking the door, but he, in, in a vision, he saw a man of Macedonia. He says, come over here. And he said that we took it that God was directing us to go to Macedonia. Aristarchus is from this area. And Aristarchus is now with Paul and with Luke. You see, having good help can be hard to find sometimes. Having people that's committed can be very hard to come about. Churches that are even filled with thousands and thousands of people at times have a hard time finding many people to be consistent in providing good help. There's what's called that faithful few. doesn't make a difference, small or large. The same thing because you know what? My relative told me not long ago when she came from D.C. here, uh, uh, we, were, we were going to dinner, they were just passing through, and she came after church, we were going to go out to lunch, and she said, people are just people, wherever they are. <laughs> Back in D.C., we got the same problem. You know, and, and, and as you look at life, she says, people are people. When we look at the help that Aristarchus provides, it is commendable that he was Paul's helper and he was also at times Paul's companion, even in prison. You see, there's sometimes a person that's really a friend that can really be with you even when things are not going right. When things are not going well, you can have a person that's right there. Paul had some good help. The most faithful person, the, most, the best help he always spoke about was Luke. Luke was right there, writing and recording all of the events that are taking place with Paul. And so Paul, on his journey, has with him Luke. And Luke records that Aristarchus, the Macedonian, is with them. The journey to Italy is not at the best time of the year. Normally between the period of November to January, you don't want to be traveling out on the Mediterranean Sea. 
It is not a time to travel. I believe that everyone would agree that, that when you think about traveling, that you want to have favorable conditions. How many people look for storms to go jump in the boat and try to take a, a, a boat tour? Now, I know there are people that are called storm chasers. And they go put themselves right in the middle. They want to thrill and say they will go chase a storm. Foolish, I think. I don't want to go chasing a hurricane or a tornado. They can be unpredictable and turn back. What you going to do? You can't tell like Jesus. Peace be still. <laughs> you ain't got that kind of power. You are trying to chase a storm. And that, that storm turn back, start coming back towards you. You're going to try to run and get out the way. Please be still. You're going to be saying, please, Jesus. <laughs> As Paul and the others get on the board, we also note that there's another group that's with them that's going. There are other prisoners that are also going to Rome. So we have two groups of people going with Paul. We have those that are his help, and we have those that are prisoners with him. And yet we find that Paul is still the focus of the journey. Isn't it interesting that as they start the journey, they, they take this trip to the first place where it's Sidon, I believe it is, they come to. And, 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 it, and it amazed me as I was reading and studying this, that that that. Julius, the centurion, does anyone know what the, what, what the centurion was, the ruler over? Uh, how, how many? What number? Uh, 100. Centurion is 100. So Julius was over 100. So the centurion means that he is at least a commander or leader over 100. A commander was one that was um, over, they would say, at least 1,000. So here's Julius, who has been given charge of Paul and the prisoners. That means automatically that Julius was a man that was capable. He had the ability to be able to, to lead, and he must have been a pretty tough guy if they're going to place these prisoners on this long journey with him. And so he may have had other help, but he's the centurion that's in charge. And they know that once they're in charge, the responsibility to make sure that the prisoner reached the destination is on them. If they don't get there, Something happens, they escape, their life is at stake. I love y'all, but I don't want to die for you. But I would. I mean, if a car was coming, I might come and push you out the way. So we both don't get hit. I, first, I'm going to think of scream, look out, a car's coming. That's the first thing I'm going to say. But if I'm close enough, I will try to knock you out the way. I hope you would do the same for me. I'm sorry, Pastor. You're going to, you're going to, have, to take, you're going to have to head that. You're going by yourself and get hit by that car. And I hope y'all wouldn't do that to me. But, but when we look at this situation, we find that as Paul is traveling, he comes to the place aside in where Julius, the commander, and the pilot dropped him off. Now, this is very interesting to me. Julius gives Paul permission to leave and go to his friends to have his friends meet his needs. Now, how many of you know prisoners 
that are in custody, and they are let out to go. Now, there may have been another guard there, but that's incredible. What does that say? It says a couple things. Number one, it speaks to Paul's character. It speaks to the fact that Julius, as a centurion, as a Roman centurion, he respected and believed Paul's, he, he believed Paul was a man of integrity, that he says, I can trust Paul and not have to worry that he's going to do something wrong. I can put my life on the line for Paul. He let Paul leave. And he was saying that I believe Paul is going to come back on time when it's time for us to continue this trip. That's incredible when you think about a person that's a prisoner being allowed to leave and go have his needs met by a friend. That's incredible. That's a person that says, man, you've got integrity. I believe that you are going to do the right thing. Now, it could be easy that when a person goes off to have other people overpower a guard, you, you, just, you don't go certain places. They know, man, this could be a setup. But here is Paul who has proven himself. It is also believed in history that it is possible that Julius was in the council when Paul gave his defense before King Agrippa II, Bernice, and Governor Festus, and the high officials. It is believed that he might have been in there listening and that Paul had even influenced his life. Isn't that incredible? And he takes Paul and says, man, go on so that your needs can be met. We're going to be leaving at this time. Guard, go ahead and go with him. Give him, some, give him some, some slack. Go ahead. Take off. You don't hear him saying to any other guard, any other prisoner, okay, you two, you two, go have your needs. No, it was only Paul. It was Paul. You see, even though you might be a prisoner, you still have a responsibility to conduct yourself in a way that's honoring and glorifying to God. You say, there are people today that are free on the outside, but they're still in prison on the inside. When you look at our lives, we can sometimes be prisoners to our thoughts, our ways. We can be prisoners to things that, that, that capture us and that keeps us in a certain place. We have to be very careful. Though, even though we may be free on the outside, on the inside, we can still be prisoners. I know that there are some people who have a problem with trust and that some people wouldn't dare entrust their lives to them. It was because of how Paul modeled himself that he could be traveled, that he could be trusted. Point number two, traveling into danger in the sheltered area. You'll find that in Acts 27, verses 4 through 8. Today, people believe that they can sin safely and continue to find more sheltered or what they believe is sheltered ways to sin. When we think about the leave, when you look at the travelings that took place, you'll see that the Bible describes how they were traveling in the sheltered or what was called the leave area. You see, when you're traveling, on the, when you're traveling at times, the sailors or the captain depending on how the waves are moving, would try to stay close to the land or close to certain areas to prevent the wind from overtaking the ship and blowing it off course. So they will find a certain area or path to try to stay close to to provide some protection. That is what a lee is. It is a sheltered place 
to try to keep you from being, to keep you sheltered from the wind or the elements. And so as they are traveling, it was noticed that some of the traveling had already become a little hard as they are moving about. And so as they're going, you note that this is happening here, and so they're traveling in the sheltered zone. One of the tricks of the enemy is that he will sometimes have us believe that we can sin a little without repenting and keep going and going and on and on and on. Everybody at times has a problem with, with sin. The problem is that when we never change or turn from our sin. You, you see, it is in the book of John, 1 John, where the Bible talks about that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now that's different than Romans when it talks about all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Why? Because the book of the, the first book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, it was written to believers. It was written to the church. So he says, church members, if you sin, we have a God who's able to forgive us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. It means a turning around from as compared to a person who was coming to the Lord for the first time in the book of Romans, the Romans roadmap. But when we look at the fact that John was actually written to Christians, it gives the church hope that, man, it can say, I blew it, Lord. I blew it three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. God, I blew it. But you know, Lord, I'm doing better. It's only been twice. Lord, I don't, I don't do that no more. And so when we look at this passage here, there are some people that are Christian that takes a little sin and think, I got away with it. I can continue. And it is that sheltered life that people try to live. That area that's really close to the banks. But before long, sin will place you out in the open. It'll take you onto the deep waters and blow you off course. It is in the sheltered area that this captain is trying to keep the boat protected. But it's still the wrong time to be traveling. It's not the time for them to be traveling. The travel to Italy would take would be many days. It would be a time of hardship at this time after the fast, after the one of the seven feasts that the Lord gave in the book of Leviticus, and it's speaking of this. So it would be in the winter time here that we're speaking. So they wouldn't be traveling. So, but who's Paul? He's going to tell them. But we'll get to that part. You see, sometimes when you try to tell a person, you know, we sh- shouldn't do that. Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> do you not know there's a passage in the Bible in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15? It says, if your brother has a sin, if, you're, if you have sinned against your brother, if your brother has a fault against you, go to him, just the two of you, and discuss that matter. And if your brother listens to you, great. The relationship has been restored, been uh, uh, taken care of, and you can go on. But he says, if the person in the wrong will not 
repent. Now, this is, this is talking about now church discipline, how they, the Bible said to do it. If a person does not want to hear you, that's in the wrong. It says, take one or two others along with you as a testimony, as a witness. Now, listen, when he says, take one or two others, he's talking about elders, the leaders, those who, are, who have the ability to discern and make a proper judgment. Not just anybody. You just come with me. I gotta. I gotta tell this person. I want to tell them something. They ain't, they sin against me. You come on. Why are you taking them? They ain't just talking about anybody. You take. Take one or two others that are mature, that can handle certain things, can give a good, can give wisdom, can hear. They hear though. If they hear the witness, the Bible says good. But if they don't hear them, the Bible says, then tell it to the church. Now, that comes with a person who just says, can't nobody tell me nothing. I ain't got to be in the authority of nobody. The Bible says, treat them like an unbeliever, like a pagan, have nothing to do with them. That's what it says in Matthew 18, 15. The Bible's purpose and job, the whole premise of the Bible is to restore. It is to try to correct, to try to make right in order to rebuild relationships. But when one continues to just say, I'm going to do it this way, there's danger involved. You see, we have to be very careful when we get into those sheltered situations that we take those as opportunities to reevaluate what we're doing, our lives. It was during these shelter times where the pilot should have taken inventory and should have thought, hmm, should I be traveling? But you know what they were concerned about? They had cargo to deliver. There's money to be made here. And sometimes people will take unnecessary chances because of what they value and what they have on board. We've got to be very careful. And sometimes it will cause us to make very bad decisions because of what we value. And the loss will not only be great because of you're going to lose your cargo, but then you're going to have to deal with your emotional state as well. Danger does not always start off looking like danger. But there are often danger signs along the way. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit, as the conductor of your life, will point out dangers and cause you to take a different route. Or have you wait altogether until it is safe to proceed. Anytime we move ahead of the Holy Spirit, it is only a matter of time before we are going to face danger that we cannot overcome. This was not the time to be traveling. The signs that trouble was brewing with those ships, with, with Paul and those on this trip, was the difficulty that they were having in their travels. Although the captain tried to stay in the safety zones, danger was still present. Do you not know that danger is still present even though you might think it's safe, even though it looks like a lot of sunshine, 
there may be danger on the other side. Let me tell you what my mom did one day. I was in the sixth or seventh, fifth, fifth grade, I think. My mom heard it was supposed to be rain that day. The sun was beautiful. The sky was blue. There was no cloud to be seen at all. Beautiful day. Me being a kid, wonderful. She told me, take your rain coat, your red rain boots. I said, Mom, it's beautiful outside. I didn't say the word. I said, it's sunny. The weatherman said, it's supposed to rain. She said, I need to be prepared. And so here I am trying to hide on my way to school what she told me to take. Bundled up, tucked under everything I could find. So I get to school. And my good friend, meteorologist, Ivory Small, some of y'all don't know Ivory, but Ivory, James' brother, James Small, his brother Ivory, who knew at the age of two that he wanted to be a meteorologist and was saying the word, I want to be a meteorologist. (laughs) (laughs) Ivory, Mr. Brainiac. He is a meteorologist today with the government and does all these trainings and big shots. He says to me, so Marcus, are you expecting a storm today? (laughs) (laughs) With that smirk and smile on his face. (laughs) It didn't rain that day. It was beautiful. And so I lugged those things back home to safety. (laughs) But my mom said, you need to prepare because I heard there would be a storm. Now, if it had rained, I would have been prepared. And so even though it didn't rain, I was still prepared. You see, sometimes we still need to prepare even when we don't see the danger or doesn't happen that day. The signs were there, but the Bible says that Paul, in point number three, and I'll soon be done, And with the point number three again, God's prisoner speaks, but popular opinion prevails. Paul sounded the warning, warning, verses 9 through 13. You look at 27, this takes place 9 through 13. But Paul sounded the warning to Julius, the pilot, and the owner of the ship. But they more than likely said, who was Paul? He don't know nothing about navigation. Understand this, Paul had already been in three shipwrecks up to this point. He had already experienced the difficulties of the sea and also knew some of the signs. And so Paul tells him, gentlemen, I perceive that we are going to be in danger if we leave port. But they said and saw, huh, the winds are blowing nicely. And when they saw that the wind was blowing nicely, there was a nice breeze from the south, The Bible says they weighed anchor and they left. Maybe Paul does not know all about he needs to all all the things he may need to know about navigation. But something that we need to understand, Paul knows the creator. 
other seas. And whether through divine revelation or the fact that of the shipwrecks, Paul warned them that cargo and lives were at risk. But I need to tell you this. It was popular opinion that caused them to take off. Be very careful of popular opinion. God does not normally and usually work through popular opinion. There are things that cannot be voted on. Pastor's vision is not something that the church decides, oh, that sounds good. Yes, pastor, let's add a few of these things here. No, that's what the Lord gives to the pastor. There may be disagreement, but the vision is not. We can vote on colors of certain things, but when it comes to obeying the word of God, it's not, there's, no, there's no voting. The children of Israel got in the desert. What happened to Moses? Aaron, uh, we vote that you make us a calf. Aaron says, okay, bring me all your jewelry. Bring me all your stuff. Even after Aaron had been with Moses upon that mountain, hearing the very command of God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto you any graven images, any likeness of anything like me. Came out of Egypt serving that stuff. God says, I'm bringing you to myself so that you will know how to worship me. And here they are, months later, after Moses goes into the mountain, 40 days. We don't know what happened to Moses. Even after they just said, God's voice is too powerful for us. We don't want to hear God's voice anymore, Moses. We've heard him thunder. No more. You speak to us and we will obey God. Then they said, we don't know what happened to Moses. Make us something that showed that, that brought us out of Egypt. And the Bible says he took a tool and fashioned a calf. Here are your gods. Here's the God that brought you out of Egypt. How in the world this calf, golden calf that he fashioned, brought them out of Egypt? Lord, help us. My daughter and I were talking last night. And she made a comment. She said, she was talking to a lady, and she's been kind of on fire. She was mentioning, but I've got to talk to more people about the Lord. But she was just sharing. hope this person don't listen to the, well, well I ain't going to say no names, so it'll be okay. I'm going to say the website to myself. But she said, she said, I'm, I'm just, I, I need to find another church. She was going to church up in Petaluma, and she, because the, the message is just not positive enough. And, and, and I know this, Pastor. I know the church. Good church. Got Bible believing. Preach the word of God. I just needed four positive. So I said, let's go out to dinner. Let's go out to lunch. And she was hoping the conversation would come up. And it did. And she said, tell me more. <laughs> she gets it. Tell me more about it. And as they started talking and Picking it apart, do you not know what the primary thing was? They're not preaching wealth and prosperity. That's what she wanted to hear. And I said, wow. And so she left and found another church and now feels more comfortable there. If church makes you feel 
so comfortable. I ain't doing my job, nor the other teachers. You need to be pricked. You need to be a little squirmish at times. You need to be thinking, y'all in my business. Sometime. Who he been talking to? Found a church. And again, this church might be actually a Bible-believing church. And she just hasn't heard the message yet. But she now has found something that she wants to hear. It will only be a matter of time before she finds something else when something comes up that she doesn't want to hear. And find something that the Bible says what their itching ears want to hear. The criteria should always be, is the word of God being preached? Is there a watering down of the gospel message? Are they talking about the Bible? Or are they looking in Essence Magazine saying, this is the latest thing that I wanted to talk about today and bring to your attention. Everyone turn to Essence, page number 45. I want you to take a look at Chanel number five as we look at the colognes and perfumes today. People say, that's the church I'm going to go to. The good smelling church. <laughs> we need to understand that the road is going to be bumpy at times. But we need to stay on course. And Paul told them, don't go. And they thought they had found favorable conditions. And they said, we can weigh anchor. And they left. And the Bible says, before long, a hurricane, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster sprung up. And nothing they can do. And we're going to go through some of this as we continue on to see what happens. But do you not know this? And I'm going to say this in closing. God told Paul, you're going to Rome. You're going to Rome. You're going to Rome. Yes, you tried to warn them, but I made the seas. I know how to protect you in the storm. Some of us, we're jumping out of one storm right into the next storm. Out of a hurricane right into a tornado. Out of a tornado right into an earthquake. Trying to get out. Rather than saying, God, I'm coming back, I'm sorry. And the Lord says, that's what I've been waiting for. Now come this way. Oh, that, that was it, Lord, I just took a step. That was it. And you're out. God knows how to take you through the storms of life. God knows how to bring you through the other side. If he took you in, he knows how to take you through and out. Remember, one day when we are with the Almighty God in glory, we're going to look back and say, God, it was all worth it. In fact, it doesn't even compare. I would, God, I do it even, I do it again and even more, but thank you. And we will forever be able to worship and honor God throughout eternity 
for what he's done for us and who he is. Some of us, we said, oh, I can't wait to see such and such and such and such. But you know what? When you see Jesus, you're going to say, nobody else. <laughs> and for however long, you're going to sit there just gazing and worshiping him. And after probably now 500,000 years, you say, okay, now who else can I see? Oh, how you doing? Jesus, yes, back to Jesus. That's the focus. He's the focus. He's the one that we honor. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that we serve. He's the one that died for us. There's a great cloud of witnesses that's urging us on. Stand to your feet. As we continue with Acts next week, we're going to continue this look at this journey. If you get a chance, which you should, just go ahead and read all of 27. Look at what God does. God is able to take us through the storm. And do you not know, even in the storm, you are still under God's divine protection. Today, Lord, we honor you for this, your wonderful goodness and grace and word. We thank you today. That, Lord, even when the soft winds began to blow, may we take note, Lord, and always consider and consult you. Is this, Lord, what you are doing? Is this where, Lord, you are leading? We pray today that you will help us to know and remember that it is the Lord that takes us and brings us and helps us. Thank you for Paul, Lord his life, his ministry, and the fact that you use them in such a remarkable way that, God, when you changed him on that road, you changed this radical man from a, from a child of Satan to a child of the God, and he was still radical, but for the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. We love you. We bless you and give you glory in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you on later on this week. Have a great day. God bless you.